Well, good morning again. Hello, everybody good? <clears throat> wow, I don't know if it's the heat or what. We just seem subdued. Hey, welcome back to all those who have been uh, gone for the summer. We've had a lot of people on mission trips, praise God. Uh, welcome to those who are back to the country uh, and some students. We're so glad you're here. Uh, welcome. Welcome. Glad that you're here. You up for a story? Start the morning. Thank you, John. I'm going to tell it anyway, so you might as well just say yes. All right, Tambra. Um, so there's this old farmer, and he had an ox and a mule. And uh, one day the mule says to the ox, you know, I just don't feel like going out. It's hot. I'm just going to stay here in the bar, and I'm going to act like I'm sick. The mule, he said, why don't you stay with me? And the mule says, no, you know, we've got to do our work right now. We've got to do our farming it's time. We've got to get after it. And he said, no, nah, I'm going to stay here. And Ox stays there, and to his surprise, the farmer brings him hay and water, and he just relaxes in the barn all day, and it was great. Next day, the ox says to the mule, hey, you should have stayed with me yesterday. It was incredible. He brought me hay, water. Why don't you stay today? The mule said, no, we've got to get out. We've got to get to work. Oxen says, okay, well, go ahead. I'm going to stay here. And this was on for two or three days, and Finally, the uh, ox says to the, the mule, hey, did the farmer say anything about me today? And the mule says, no, but he, he did spend a lot of time talking to the butcher. <laughs> I thought that was funny. You can uh, think about it later. Today, we're going to talk about work. Over the next five weeks, uh, we're going to discuss the aspect of work. And we're going to talk about, I've entitled it this time tomorrow, and you'll see why as we go on, that um, it's really a thought about what are you going to be doing this time tomorrow? 24 hours from now, when you're not here at church, what are you going to be engaged in? And the aspect is work, a four-letter word. Well, yeah, technically, but you understand what I mean. Is work a bad thing? And this morning, I hope we just re-engage our perspective in a way to see God's Word. So this morning, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to look at, I'm going to give you all the sermons in one sermon. I'm going to give you, yeah, hang on. I hope you don't have anywhere to go for lunch or anything. So um, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you the topics that we're going to be talking about and intro them to you because I want us to get the big picture about work. And then each week over the next four weeks after this, we're going to look at each of these topics more in depth. So what does it mean to be an adult in 21st century America? A new survey by, uh, was commissioned by a, a magazine called Farm Rich, and they asked over 2,000 millennials, ages 18 to 40, what does it mean to be an adult? And here is their top 10 list of things that it means to be an adult. Watching the nightly news, that's what it means to be an adult. Number nine, uh, cooking dinner most of Monday through Friday instead of eating out every time. Uh, number eight, making a list to take when going to the grocery store. I do think that's a wise choice, and don't go hungry, by the way, for those of you looking for hints. Uh, seven, scheduling regular doctor's appointments. Number six, doing your own laundry. 
My kids were, uh, Kathy made them do their own laundry from when they were like in middle school. So they were adults early uh, at our house. But hey, if you have five kids, you better, you can't do all the, anyway, moving on. Number five, investing in your 401k. <laughs> if that's the case, there are probably a number of people in this room who are not adults. Uh, number four, understanding and monitoring your credit score. Number three, filling out your own taxes. Brooklyn's children. Number two, buying a house. And number one, having a budget. Now, these are a couple of things about these. Number one, they're uniquely first world American um, to talk about what does it mean to be, be an adult. Second, all of the top five require one thing, and that's having a job. Um, having a work, having money that is coming in. And so I think there's a recognition that underlies this that, oh, I'm no longer living on my parents' payroll. I've now moved off the payroll onto my own. And but by the way, that's one of my goals in life is to get five children off my payroll onto their own. And I celebrate when another child is off the Brookings payroll. It's awesome. it's awesome. I've got like a two and a half there right now, and we're moving forward. It says in Colossians 1.10, and we pray this in order, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I love this prayer of, of Paul's about what does it mean to, to kind of walk into the Christian life, especially the mature Christian life. And he's praying that, that the people of God would live a life worthy of him. Now, this is not a legalistic aspect. It's just a recognition. This is what Christ has done for us. And as a result, we respond to that by living a life worthy. We, we, it's our goal to please him in every way. And we want to be a fruit-bearing people, bearing fruit in every good work. God has a lot to say about bearing fruit, growing in the knowledge of God. Now, in this, I believe he goes on in Colossians 2.10. I'm going to get to the verse I want to focus on. But in Colossians 2.10... He says, in him you have been made complete. In other words, he's not saying, I want you to do these things, uh, live a life worthy, uh, please him in every way, bear fr fruit in every good work, grow in the knowledge of God, in order that you can be made complete. You have already been made complete in him. And as a result, our response then should be, should be these things. This new life within, I believe, calls for a response where life flows out of us. And that is especially true with where we spend the majority of our time, which is the workplace. The average American is going to spend 93,600 hours at work in their lifetime. That is um, 3,875 days straight or 10 and a half years without a break. That's how much time you're going to spend at work. 
Now contrast that with how much time you spend in church. Now, I'm, this, is, that, this is in no way condemning at all. But here's my, here's my contention. That many times churches prepare people to, to do things that they're going to be doing the minority of their time. Does that, I don't know if I'm making sense. In other words, most of the sermons I've heard or heard people preach, or even I've preached, are preparing people to really get pumped up to do stuff they're going to be doing a really small amount of their time. And there's this gap between Sunday and Monday. And the gap, we've tried over the years here at Fullness to close this gap to say, listen, everything you do is God's kingdom work. And I want to help prepare you to do whatever it is you're going to be doing tomorrow in a way that pleases him in every way. That you're growing in him, that you're bearing fruit in him. Because many times when we think about the passage from Colossians, we automatically uh, narrow it down to what we do in church, what we do with our devotional life. And I believe it's a life of calling in everywhere, everything that we do. So that's why I'm preaching over these next weeks on work, because I want to close the gap between what takes place on Sunday morning and where you'll be this time tomorrow. I do want to recommend to you um, two resources, and I want to tell you I have borrowed liberally, uh, which means I've plagiarized. I'm just not telling you that uh, every time. Uh, I've borrowed very liberally from both of these books, which are excellent books. Uh, Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, and a book by Tom Nelson called Work Matters. I really like this Work Matters book, by the way. I, I, I like all everything Keller writes, but I read it a number of years ago. This Work Matters book I've just read recently, and uh, it really has framed a lot of what I'm going to be speaking to you about in the weeks ahead. So I would encourage you to, to read these if you'd like. If not, I will be talking about them uh, in the four weeks ahead. So as part of what I want to do, I'm going to interview different people every week about their job. And we're going to pray for everybody who does anything within that realm. And here's why. Uh, there's an author, Wendell Berry, he's a great author. Uh, he's got a lot of different books, but he writes in The Art of the Commonplace. He says this, the significance and ultimately the quality of the work we do is determined, I love this line, by our understanding of the story in which we are taking part. In other words, this is not just about training, this is not just about skill, this is not just about ability. To really work well, we need to understand the story that we're a part of, and we're all a part of a story. So Again, I'm going to interview people, and today my first interview person is Ben Greer. So, Ben, come on up. Yeah, welcome, Ben. So, Ben, share with us what you're going to be doing this time tomorrow. Okay, so... Uh, and it may not be literally this time tomorrow, but, I mean, in your job kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it generically, and then... How are we doing? Do I need another mic? This one ain't working. Hello? It worked earlier. Here, take, give me the white one. 
Hello. There we go. All right, now we're ready. Now share with us what you're gonna be okay. doing this time tomorrow. So I'll, I'll give generically and then literally what I'll be doing. Um, so generically, I, I work at Protective Life um, uh, in a department called Asset Liability Management. I manage a team of, uh, of, of analysts and we do investment strategic work for, uh, for, for, for Protective and making sure that they functionally have money to pay out when life insurance claims come due or annuities come due and so we're kind of managing, managing the cash flow and the strategy of the, of the company. Uh, tomorrow is actually our big, uh, uh, big presentation that we do monthly to the executives. So tomorrow, this time, I will be frantically preparing to uh, to, to get all all of the information in order to answer all the questions that may come up uh, in our presentation. Now, I've heard Ben talk before about what he does at his job, so I asked him to keep it simple uh, because I didn't understand half the words he used when he told me earlier. So, uh, but he works for Protective Life. Uh, in insurance. How long have you been with Protective Life? I've been there for nine, uh, about nine right. years. Great, nine years. And so what are the biggest challenges at the job that you have now? Kind of, it's, I would say this is more like a, a work slash personal challenge in that I, I probably work way too much and finding that, uh, finding that life work balance um, to where I'm meeting my expectations and obligations and responsibilities at home with my children, with my you know family, as well as uh, um, you know meeting the needs of my you know the company and my team and and uh, and those type of things, I I get home late most days and and uh, so my my personal challenge is figuring out that uh, uh, how to make that balance work. Um, and then I would also say that very related to this and probably and even more important than this is that uh, you know a personal personal challenge that I have is that you know, days will go by or weeks will go by and, and then I kind of reflect and think, man, I'm doing this all on my own. I'm, I'm, I'm spinning my wheels, I'm, I'm working, I'm working, I'm working, and, uh, and I need to just let go. So that's a constant. Now that's been, that's been whether, you know, I've been, you know, when I, when I was in college, uh, which is a long time ago now, but um, just I'm, I'm used to performing and working and, and, and that kind of thing. So. Um, slowing down and saying, "Hey, this is this is this is you. This is not me. You, you've you've given me these talents, and I'm going to trust in you, and I'm going to rest in you." Um, that's where I personally struggle. I, I find that I'm just working for work's sake. And, yeah. and, uh, so besides balance mm -hmm. and um, pacing yourself, maybe uh, might be yeah. the right word. Um, what are what what else can we pray for you about? Well, I think. Uh, at the end of the day, we're and this kind of is, is uh, a little bit of an image of what you what you gave a, a moment ago. But you know, we're we're at work for a reason, um, and it's uh, yes, on one one part where we should be should should be working hard, and you know, and whatever our hand goes to do is, is mm -hmm. we should be doing it. But it uh, it needs to be for the glory of God. Um, and so, I guess uh, a little bit of uh, I ultimately want to. To in my role and in the network to which I uh, I'm, I'm surrounded with my colleagues and and uh, people that I work closely with. I mean, we I would say that for the most part there there are a lot of Christians that I work with, but uh, there's also a lot of Christians across America and uh, and the, the the heart isn't always uh, in the heart isn't always driving. Just as it's not you know for for me, I'm not always you know uh, seeking out uh, uh, His will. So I. I hope that uh, in my broken self that I can uh, that I can be a light to to the world and to the to the people around me and and, and mentor those um, uh, that I have contact with um, and uh, yeah yeah I, I just 
I'd ultimately, and, and also I think uh, I want to take everything that he has, the responsibilities that he's given me, the, um, and I want to have an open hand in that so that if uh, I don't want to hold on to anything, I don't want to get comfortable in, in what I'm doing because ultimately if he decides to change or challenge me in another way, I want to be receptive to hear that and, and be obedient in what he's calling me to do, whether the work I'm doing today may not be the work that I'm doing tomorrow, and I want to be willing to trust in him that he, and that I can, that he's gonna, that he knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for Ben, uh, but what I'd like to do is everybody who works in business, everybody who works in an office, uh, just stand up, and I want to pray, pray for you as well and your workplace, so just stand up. If you work in business, an office, I know that's a broad category. You may be thinking, oh, this is a business. If you think it applies to you, just stand up. So, um, all right, let's just pray for all of these people. Lord, I thank you. Uh, that you have uh, given us work to do. And I thank you for these business men and women who are in offices every day, whether it's uh, doing analysis or legal work or uh, working in some or, uh, other sort of uh, engineering or whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom in how to be, as Ben was saying, just light in their office, uh, that God, you, they would be your representative in that place. Lord, I pray that, um, uh, as Ben was talking about uh, the challenges of overworking, I pray that, God, you'd give them wisdom on how to balance uh, work and relationships. Lord, I pray that you'd give them uh, peace about striving, uh, that everything they put their hand to would prosper, but that, Lord, it, it, would, be not, it would not be where they find their identity. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would give grace to those in the business world. Lord, I pray that uh, they would enact your kingdom principles in that place and that, God, as a result, you would prosper them. Uh, Lord, we thank you for our people engaged in business. We speak blessings over them. We thank you how you're using them and how you will use them in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Give Ben a hand. Thank Ben for being willing. We're going to be praying for different uh, representative groups. Next week, we're going to be praying for those in education. We're going to be praying for those who work with their hands and own businesses, uh, those who work in the home. Uh, just We're going to cover a lot of different representative uh, groups in the days ahead. It'll be fun. I hope you enjoy it. So today, I want to talk about uh, why work matters. And I'm going to give you the four sermons that we're going to look at in the days ahead, just the, the beginning of them. Hopefully, so you can get the big picture, and then we're going to dig deeper into each one of these topics in the weeks ahead. So uh, we need to, I think, reframe the whole idea of work, the whole truth about work. Uh, Gabriel and I were talking, I think it was Friday morning, we were talking about theology, and I know that's part of our work. Uh, for some of you, must, you, you don't want to really engage in that, but we're having a good time, and we were talking about theology, and he's this class he's teaching, and um, he, he was challenging his class to talk about how theology affects life. You know, many times we think of theology or the study of God um, here, and then, okay, here's life. But what we believe about God really affects how we engage with our spouse or our children or our workplace. It all begins with God because we see through the prism of God. 
That's the way we're to view the world, not through us, but through him and his intent and his plan. And here's one of my contentions. It's this, and this is really important. We serve a working God. We serve a working God. Many times there's this theological aspect that says, okay, God did, but God quit. You know, God made the world in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the whole Bible starts. He was working then, but then he got it all going, and now he's just sitting back. He's retiring. He's on a beach in Gulf Shores, uh, not really doing anything, just waiting for the last wave to come in, and then he'll get back up and he'll do some stuff. But really, the Bible from beginning to end teaches that we serve a working God. He is at work. It says in Genesis 1.26, Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now, this is Mago Dei. We've talked about image of God. We're created in God's image. If we serve a working God and we're created in the image of God, then we are a working people. We're created in his image. He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Job description. He's just laying it from the beginning. He's given it to us. He goes on and says, so God created man in, in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Here's this kingdom mandate, fruitfulness, procreation, we talked a little bit about this last week, procreation and productivity, subdue the earth. Those are, it's really our mandate as a people to do these things in a healthy way. God went ahead and took man, and I'm just doing the beginning of Genesis. I'm going to try not to preach the sermon. I'm going to preach next week, this week, but this will be next week's sermon. So uh, the Lord God took man, put him in the Garden of Eden to what? Work it and take care of it. He not only gave him a job description, he gave him a sphere, so to speak, of work where he could do what he told him to do. So there's the... In the reframing of work, there's this idea that we serve a working God who has created us in his image to work. He's given us things to do, and if we'll seek him, I think he'll also give us the sphere in which to do it. Uh, too often, by the way, we find our identity, our total identity in the sphere that God has given us of work rather than in who we are in him as a people. Our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is in who we know. That goes on down to then where we work. So we're to be a working people who are productive and produce fruit and take care of things. Now, we know that then in Genesis 3, a problem occurs. Occurs. That's occurs. A problem occurs when man falls. Sin enters the world. Sin enters the world, and from that point forward, God says to the woman, he says, you're going to have pain in childbirth, and to the man, that's part of the curse, and to the man, he said, there are going to be thorns and thistles. 
What the curse affects productivity, I mean, procreation, birth, and productivity. It becomes hard for work to occur because it's going to be a challenge. And ever since then, work has become very difficult. Work is something that we have to strive for. There's this pushback against us that we have always seen. But nonetheless, God's kingdom mandate, I think, still applies. Now, the rest of the Bible, we're going to not look at the rest of the Bible next week, but we'll do a sweeping look at this idea that from Genesis onward, God has been in the process of redeeming. And it, it is not only, I, I believe, redeeming your soul for heaven, but I think he's been redeeming his purpose and plan, part of which entails work. He's been redeeming work in life. Just a quick mention. Do you not find it fascinating that the vast majority of Jesus' life was not public ministry? I mean, all we really know is, you know, the birth story, 12-year-old Jesus in the temple. Then from 12 to 30, we have the hidden years, the silent years. We don't have anything for them. From 30 to 33 is his public. I mean, what was he doing from age 12 to 30? He was working. Is this not the carpenter? The carpenter's son from Nazareth? He was building chairs or tables or he was working with his hands. He was running a business. He was working with his earthly father. To me, that should say a lot to us about the value of work and what God has for us as a people. We need to reframe work. We need to look at it in a, in a different light, and we're going to try and do that next week. We're going to reframe how we talk about work. Then we need to redefine work. Redefine work. And by that, I think we need a biblical definition of work. Uh, I had to go back and look up this illustration because I didn't remember all the context. But um, back when Mitt Romney was running against Barack Obama for uh, president of the United States, uh, Mitt Romney said something to the effect that his wife, Anne helped him understand the economic challenges that women face. You with me? Hello? If you don't nod every so often or agree with me, I'm going to just go back and repeat myself. So we'll move forward. If you'll just, even if you don't, it'd be better. We'll just keep moving forward. So Mitt Romney said his wife Anne helped him understand the economic challenges that women face. And I remember there was a commentator, and I had to look it up. Her name was Hillary Rosen, and she was on CNN, and she said this, guess what? His wife has actually never worked a day in her life. Then she added, she's never really dealt with the kinds of economic issues that a majority of the women in this country are facing in terms of how do we lead our kids, how do we send them to school, and why do we worry about their future? Why, why did she say this? Because Ann Romney had been a mother taking care of her children. 
And as a result, Hillary Rosen looked down on the work that Ann Romney was doing. Ann Romney responded like this, I made a choice to stay at home and raise five boys. Believe me, it was hard work. What, is, what was Hillary Rosen's difficulty with her perspective on Ann Romney at work? I believe it's this, and please listen to me. Too often, we think of work as compensation, when in fact, work is contribution. It's not what I get paid to do, it's what I get to contribute in what I do. And too often, we narrow the whole concept of work down to what do I get paid to do this? And we say to people, what do you, what do, you do? Or who are you? Or what are you? A lot of times, what are you? Well, I'm a pastor. I don't like telling people that because then they, they don't talk honest no more if I tell them I'm a pastor. So um, I try to find some other, I work in sales or I don't know, how, whatever, uh, something, a different line. I help, I'm in the people business. I don't know. But the point is this. Too often, we simply define people by what they get paid to do. And as a result, we, we value people based on that. And I believe what the Bible teaches is this, that, that we are a contributing factor to the kingdom of God, and it's, that's the work that we do. So we need to redefine work as a whole. In Colossians 3, as we've already looked at, it says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as how? Here's a key passage, working for the Lord. Working for the Lord. You're not working for compensation. You're not working for an identity. You're working for the Lord. Not for men or women. Since you know that you will receive what? An inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Your compensation ultimately is not in what you get paid. Your compensation is the inheritance you've received as being a child of God. It is the, Christ, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. It's going to reframe, redefine how we work. So the biblical definition is not about compensation, but rather about contribution. And I believe everybody has a contribution to make. Let me say it again. Everybody has a contribution to make. Martin Luther King famously said this. He said, if it falls to your lot to be a street sweeper, sweep the streets like Michelangelo painted pictures like Shakespeare wrote poetry, like Beethoven composed music, sweep the streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will have to pause and say, here lived a great street sweeper who swept his job well. We understand it's about contribution, not just compensation. We need to redefine work. Third, we need to reaffirm work. Reaffirm work. Some have gotten the mistaken. I've tried over the years really to, to make sure this doesn't happen at fullness. I remember when I was when I was young and in church life, and someone got um, we were, I'm from Baptist world, and so someone was called to the ministry. You know, some young adult, some high school student, some college student was called to ministry, mission field, pastorate. And they would come and they would tell the pastor of their call and then the pastor would get up in front of the people of the church and they would celebrate. 
which was great. I don't remember one time, one time, where somebody came forward and said, I believe God is calling me to be a doctor. And the pastor, who was my dad, by the way, um, would say to the people, hey, so-and-so is called to be a doctor. Let's celebrate that they feel like this is what God is calling them to do. Or a nurse, or a business person, or a politician, or whatever. Because we have this divide that says, really the work that matters is Christian work. And I believe there's this restoration of the whole greatness of work that needs to take place. It says in um, 1 Corinthians, Brothers, each man as responsible to God should remain in the situation God called him to. Now, this is a broad passage. I'm kind of taking it out of context, but I do believe it applies to work as well, that we need to celebrate all facets of work, and we've tried to do that over the years. If someone comes, like at our graduation times, we want to celebrate what God is calling our young adults to. Whatever the business, if it's in nursing, praise God. Go be the greatest nurse ever for the kingdom of God. If it's, a, if it's in retail sales, if it's building houses, if it's... Uh, plumbing, if it's, I, we could just go down the list, whatever it is, let's celebrate God's call in their life. We need to reaffirm work in all of its forms. By the way, this is not a new problem. Uh, this is a church historic problem. Uh, for instance, during the Reformation, there was this move going on that all that really mattered was those that, that were in the priesthood or those that were part of full-time Christian service. And so Martin Luther, in a, a famous address to the Christian uh, nobility in Germany, writes this. He says, There has been a fiction by which the pope, bishops, priests, and monks are called the spiritual estate. Princes, um, lords, artisans, and peasants are called the temporal estate. This is an artful lie and hypocritical invention, but let no one be made afraid by it, and that for this reason, that all Christians are truly of the spiritual estate, and there is no difference among them save of office. Now, I know it's a lot of lingo in there, but he's saying, he's saying in fancier terms what we have done in 20th and 21st century Christian evangelical work, which is to celebrate or to say what really matters is what's done within the church, not what's done outside of the church. Like there are two estates. There are two different levels. There's the level of work in the church, which is higher calling. And then there's the second estate, the lower estate, which is business, agriculture, uh, healthcare, education, whatever the case may be. And I'm going to stand with Martin Luther on this and say it's a hypocritical lie that there is only one estate, and that is the spiritual estate of those who are in Christ Jesus. And we need to reaffirm work. And I mean, there have been honestly meetings where someone has come to me and said, you know, I just can't wait to quit my job in order to be in the church full-time one day. And I say to him several things. Number one, I work in the best church in the world, and it's still not all it's cracked up to be. I mean, just say, um, y'all are great and everything, but I'm not trying to, I'm just saying church work is hard. 
I mean, being in Christian ministry is challenging. Why? Because they're people. Shouldn't point. They're people. I shouldn't point at you. Point at me more than that. But people are hard. And if you're called into Christian work and you're not really a people person, it's double hard. It's challenging. Number two, it's not, I want to say to him, stay in business. You've got a bigger mission field right where you are than, I mean, it's automatic. Don't see, in other words, don't see this as a higher calling, a different calling. Maybe God directs you in that path. Praise God. But if not, celebrate. We need to reaffirm work. Work is a good thing in all its various forms. And here's why. Why this reaffirmation matters. It matters because work is about worship. Do it unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. What would change in your perspective if you didn't see just fullness here as your sanctuary, but you saw wherever you're going to do your work tomorrow as a place of worship, a sanctuary before the Lord? I think it would change your perspective. I get to worship there. I get to worship at UAB, or I get to worship at Protective Life, or I get to worship in my home, or wherever I'm going tomorrow to work, that is my place of worship. And by the way, you're going to spend many, many, many more hours there than here. Now, we have a specific purpose that we're accomplishing here that God is doing in us, but this is expand your view of worship and make your office place a sanctuary where you get to worship God. If you reaffirm the value of work, it'll change your perspective on it. Also know that most of your spiritual formation, if you'll let it, can take place primarily in your work every day. I mean, think about this. It's where you're going to be dealing with people most of the time. It's where your thoughts are being formed. It's where the fruit is being born. There is a lot that needs to take place within your worship and spiritual formation if you'll allow it at your workplace. If, if you'll let your devotional, transformational life take place where you're working, think how much more it will be magnified rather than the hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half that you sit here on Sunday. Compare this hour and a half to the 40 plus hours you're going to be spending at work over the next five days. Or if you're a, home, a person who works in the home, 200 hours, whatever it is you're going to be doing in your home over the next week. Let it be transformational for you. View it as something different. Also, it's really important if this reaffirmation occurs, it's really important because it's where the gospel is expressed to others. I mean, the truth is this. Most of us here are already committed. I mean, we're already in. We believe the gospel. We've received the gospel. We're walking in grace. But tomorrow, you're going to go somewhere where that is not the case. You get to be God's kingdom representative. You get to represent him there tomorrow. It is your harvest field. It is your sphere of influence. It, it's where you get to see the kingdom of God expand. Now, Gabriel's going to be preaching this sermon in a couple of weeks on reaffirming work, so I'm hitting it a little hard on my side today. 
But here's why this is really important. If you see work just as about compensation, or if you just see work as something you have to do, then you'll never see it really as how God wants you to see it, which is serving Him, worshiping Him, being transformed by Him, transforming others by the power of the gospel in that workplace. Now, by the way, you don't have to be obnoxious to do this. You don't have to be offensive to do this. If you serve the Lord in your work, working hard, working ethically, working uh, unto the Lord, then I think fruit will, will be born. Back when Larry Powell was in the workplace, I would go down, you know, Larry and Chris um, and I and John and Gwen, we, at, when we get saw fullness get going, I would go down to, to, to talk to Larry at uh, Sonat because, by the way, he had a really nice office. Uh, you know, he was the vice president for Sonat, which is the company, and I would talk to Larry about his work stuff, and as gifted as Larry is, what I saw in him was a man who used his workplace, and by the way, yesterday was Larry's birthday, so everybody wish Larry happy birthday from yesterday. <laughs> what I saw, what I saw, he's downstairs today, actually, uh, uh, what I saw in Larry, though, was a guy, a person who served the Lord and used God's kingdom principles. And because he did that in humility, God advanced him in great and incredible ways. I mean, Larry's degree was engineering. I'm, I'm pumping up Larry, but I, it, that's not the point. The point is this. I believe if you serve God with your heart and do it in a way that honors him, he'll take care of you. Now, this is not a prosperity doctrine kind of thing. This is just simple, I think, truths. Use your workplace or see it as a place of worship and transformation and ministry of the gospel. Reaffirm work. Work is not in the Christian, it's not just in church. Matter of fact, it's primarily not in church. We need to close this gap between what takes place on Sunday morning and what takes place on Monday. Final point, I'll preach on this in about three or four weeks. Restore work. Restore work. <clears throat> Says in Peter, 2 Peter, but in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to what? New heaven and? Well, what are we going to be doing on this new earth? What are we going to be doing? My idea of hell is the picture of choir robes floating on uh, um, clouds with harps. I don't think that's heaven at all. Um, or being made to, to, to be in a mass choir that's in a church service for all of eternity. Now, I, I want to praise God for all of eternity, but I, I just don't see that as heaven. As a matter of fact, I see heaven differently. I think heaven is, new earth is a restoration of God's in, original intent for when he made the earth in a sinless state. And what are we going to be doing for all of eternity? Work. I think we're going to be working. But we don't even have a concept of what work is without the fall. We don't have a concept of what no thorns and thistles kind of thing is. But God wants to restore. I, 
I believe there's an idea of work. Heaven is about holy work under God's view. Now, I do think we're going to be in some great worship services. I don't know what they're going to look like, but um, here's how N.T. Wright says it in this book, his book called Surprised by Hope, and it's on heaven. He says, the created order which God has begun to redeem in the resurrection of Jesus is a world in which heaven and earth are designed not to be separated, but to come together. In that coming together, the very good that God spoke over creation at the beginning will be enhanced, not abolished. Not abolished. We need to see eternity in a whole new light. By the way, I think it's really important. I don't think the parable of the talents is just limited. I, I do believe there is a, what we do here matters, matters. Faithful with little and trusted with much. I, I, I don't know what that's going to look like in my stewardship of heavenly things, but I think there's something there. We need to close the gap between Sunday and Monday. We need to reframe work. Your work matters to God, and God matters to your work. By the way, I borrowed that phrase from Tim Keller. He uses that a lot. Your work matters to God, and God matters to your work. We need to redefine work. Work is what we contribute, not what we get paid to do. We need to reaffirm work. All work is God's work. All work is God's work. We need to restore work. Work has eternal ramifications, and work will be done in the age to come. In closing, let me just read you this quote by a concentration camp survivor by the name of Viktor Frankl. He says this, we can discover this meaning in life in three different ways. He's basically saying you can discover meaning in life in these three different ways. One, by creating a work or doing a deed. Two, by experiencing something or encountering someone. And three, by the attitude we take toward unavoidable suffering. I think what Frankel is trying to say is this, look, we find meaning in life really as Christians in him, of course, but then we find how it's played out by the work we do, by the relationships that we have, and the attitude we maintain. And this attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, became a servant. The work that we do, the relationships that we have, the attitude that we maintain. In the weeks ahead, I want to encourage you to, 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 to move in your workplace and to think about it in a different light rather than what you have to do tomorrow morning. See it as an exciting opportunity for what God gives you to do tomorrow morning. Reframe your attitude so that your work contributes, so that the relationships that you develop will matter for all eternity. We want to give you opportunities for relationships here at Fullness. You really can come on Sunday morning and not be in relationship with people. So we have small groups, E3 groups, that meet throughout the week. We want to encourage you to be a part of that. Those places will, will they're kicking, kick back off the E3 groups, the, the small groups. Be a part of those. Um, have people pray about your work. Let express the same thing we did with Ben this morning. What do you do? What are your greatest challenges? What can we pray for you about in your work? 
so that we encourage one another. We'll do that continuing for others in the week ahead, but others can do that for you as well. We pray that you will, I pray, that the gap between this Sunday morning time and your Monday morning work will be short so that we'll glorify God in all that we do. Lord, we thank you today that you are a working God. And Lord, we praise you for the work that you give us to do. And I pray, Lord, in the weeks ahead as we look at these truths about work, that God, you would bless the work of our hands. Not in a way that brings us glory, but in a way that expands your kingdom. It expands your kingdom in us as worshiping creatures. It expands your kingdom as the gospel goes forth. It expands your kingdom as, as being faithful with uh, the things you've given us. You'll expand and entrust us with even more. Lord, give us a holy perspective on work in the days ahead. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.